the scriptures tell us in the book of Revelation that there is a war on the saints. That means that right now, as we said here tonight, we're at war. If you're a saint, there's a war going on. And our enemy, primarily, is Satan. And I want us to consider some of Satan's strategies tonight. But let's begin with just uh, coming into the middle of an account here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul's talking about the need for there to be forgiveness extended towards one who had sinned and repented. But he says this in verse 11. So, if you're in chapter 2, 2 Corinthians, verse 11. In order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. In this warfare that we're in, there are schemes of the enemy. But Paul says that we're not ignorant of those schemes. So Satan has strategies by which he will make war on the saints. But we do not need to be ignorant of these strategies, Paul tells us here. And one of the reasons for that is, is we have a book, the Bible, that tells us of the warfare that we're in, and it tells us of our enemy's tactics. Even the names that are given of Satan uh, speak of and reveal something of his tactics. Satan, what's that mean? Well, adversary. We have an adversary. Devil. We have a slanderer. That's what that was. He's called the evil one. We know that he's going to be uh, throwing fiery darts at us, things that are evil to intimidate us and to frighten us. He's a tempter. He's the prince of this world. So he's going to use the, the, the things like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. Those type of things are going to be used because he's the prince of this world. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's an angel of light. In other words, he's deceptive. He's a serpent. He's a dragon. All these should speak to us of some of the tactics and uh, the ways of Satan. But I, what I'd like to do here tonight is just zero in on four of Satan's strategies as he makes war on the saints. And then after we look at those, I'd like to look at three attitudes that we must maintain in order to counter these strategies. So that's where we're hopefully heading here. Four strategies of Satan and three attitudes that we must maintain to counter these strategies. And as I do this, I'm going to actually use some examples from the history of warfare itself, earthly war. Uh, I like history, and so these things just seem to fit in very well as far as examples. So that's we'll use some of those as we look at this subject. But first of all, then, strategies of Satan. Well, one of the main strategies is just to use deception. Deception. It's said that one of the first casualties of warfare is truth. And when you think of warfare, you think of spies, you think of counterintelligence, you think of infiltrators, you think of disinformation, you think of propaganda. All those things have to do with 
with deception. And uh, Satan is a master at these type of tactics. Uh, why is that? Because he's a liar. He's been that way forever uh, since uh, he turned from God. He's a liar and the father of lies. So, you know, he's, he's the ruler of the domain of darkness, and yet he presents himself as an angel of light. He's, he's a ravenous wolf, but he comes in sheep's clothing. He's a deceiver, you see, constantly coming in a deceptive manner. To keep people from Christ, he has propagated an incredible amount of false philosophies and false religions. You think around the world of all the things that people have people's minds messed up, deceiving people through false philosophies and false religions. And to mislead those that have embraced Christianity, he's brought all kinds of false ministers and false disciples and false doctrines into play to, to deceive us from the truth, take us away from the truth. Uh, here in Second Corinthians, Paul brings this out in, in chapter 11, uh, verse 13. For such men are false apostles. Here's, here's an apostle, uh, Paul, coming and telling them the truth. Well, there's right along, next thing you know, here comes false apostles. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for even Satan, um, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. So disguising themselves, in other words, deception again, you see, one of his main schemes is to use deception. And he's a master at it. Um, so that's the first thing. The next thing, actually all these start with D, so that's convenient if you want to try to remember them. Deception. The next thing is division. Satan loves to bring division. God wants his people united. Satan tries to divide. In fact, again, this is a very common military tactic, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Uh, you think of the Civil War as an example that I'm familiar with. One of the main strategies of the North was to try to take control of the Mississippi River because if they could control the Mississippi River, they could divide the Confederacy, divide the South uh, there at the Mississippi. And so that was a uh, uh, main plan. of, of the, It was called the Anaconda Plan. Uh, to control the Mississippi River and therefore divide the South. So this is what Satan tries to do also, just this strategy of division, divide and conquer. He wants to do that to the church at large. You think of all the various denominations and things. Get them fighting one another instead of united to serve Christ. Uh, so he wants to do it at the church, at the church, uh, in the level of the church at large, but he also wants to do it in the local church right here. He wants to divide us. Uh, right now, tonight, it would be he, he would be delighted to get us divided over some issue or some situation. He's he's actively involved in that type of thing, constantly. This area of division, and he'll even do it in a Christian family. Get parents divided from their their uh, 
children. So division. And that's, this is actually the very thing that Paul is dealing with in this verse that we began with. This uh, device of division can be caused by a lack of forgiveness. And this is what Paul said, you know, we've gotta, you've got to forgive this man. I forgave him. I forgive him. You need to forgive him. Lest Satan use that as a means of dividing the church. That's what he was saying there. This is when he we're not ignorant. He says we're not ignorant of this scheme, this scheme of division. So uh, he he's uh, dealing with that in in Corinthians. Uh, so. Forgiveness, that goes a long way in this area of keeping divisions from coming. Another area that Satan would try to bring division in has to do with the area of anger. The area of anger. Harboring and holding anger brings division and gives place to the devil. We see this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, well, we'll start with verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, to each, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. There's that idea of unity. You see, we're members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Get that anger stuff taken care of. Why, does he say? And do not give an opportunity to the devil. Do not give the devil any opportunity. You see... It's a scheme. He wants to bring division. And he'll, he'll do that if you let bitterness and anger, those type of things build up. You're going to have division. And the Satan is going to use that. So, uh, Satan loves this tactic of divide and conquer. So we need to be aware of this, especially in the areas of forgiveness and anger. Division will destroy outreach, the outreach of a church. It will demoralize the saints, and it will dishonor God. God desires the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, and Satan desires just the opposite of that. He wants to bring division. It's one of his his schemes, one of his tactics. Um, the next thing I would bring up is distraction. Satan delights to use distraction. Uh, or as it's called in, in warfare, diversionary tactics. He uses diversionary tactics. Um, I think I've used this example before, but I want to give it to you again. You may know that one of the great battles of World War II was the invasion of Normandy. It was called D-Day. Well, there a lot of people lost their lives uh, on D-Day, but it would have been a lot worse if if the uh, British and Americans hadn't, hadn't used a massive diversionary tactic because what they did was they, uh, on the coast of England in Kent, going across, they were going to invade into France, but the, the, the closest place would have been across from Kent, England, and so that would be the logical place to go from so the, the, the Allies, the, uh, the uh, British and Americans, amassed a massive force of fake uh, ships and uh, aircraft and tanks. They were made out of rubber uh, on the coast of England there 
which made the Germans think that they were going to come across there. Um, actually, they were going to come across in southern England, further down, and come across at Normandy. And so when they did come across, even, even when they made the invasion, the Germans still were thinking that, we, that the Americans were going to come across at this other place. So they had most of their forces up there. It would have been, a, it would have been terrible apart from that tactic. So I'm just saying um, this, this is a very common military tactic, this thing of uh, diversionary uh, forces or actions. So it is with Satan. He tries to distract us and divert us in order to defeat us. One of the main things that he uses in his uh, diversionary tactics is simply the world system. The world in the power of the evil one, all these things that related to uh, the evil ways of Satan uh, that are expressed through the world system. The world lies in the power of the evil one, we're told. So, he uses the world, things like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life, in order to divert us from following Christ. It's a diversionary tactic. Now, I want to change the image here a little bit from warfare to just taking care of a baby. And that is, if a little baby grabs onto something you don't want it to have, well, there's a couple ways you can deal with that. You can just take it away from them, but that might cause a bunch of crying and they're going to hold on and grab it and fight with you. Or you can get something that you think the baby might like, some little rattle or something. And eh, here, well, what's that? That's a diversionary tactic. <laughs> and so uh, the baby latches onto that and lets go of the thing you, you want to get from them and everything's fine. Well, the problem is that that type of thing is what Satan does with us in terms of the world. He rattles some little worldly thing in front of us in order to distract us and get us to take that, go after that, instead of following Christ. So it's, it's a major tactic of Satan, just this thing of distraction or uh, getting us diverted. Satan tries to use the world system just the way you might use a rattle or something with, with a baby. Well, uh, the last thing I would mention then in this area of the tactics of Satan is this area of doubt, and this is really a big one. Uh, in warfare, the enemy will try to convince you that you're on the wrong side. that you can't trust what you've been told by your leaders, that you can't win this battle. These are all ways of planting seeds of doubt, you see, that your life would be better off if you'd just give up the fight. And a lot of propaganda produced during the wartime is designed to cause doubt. That's one of the things that propaganda is aimed at. Doubt in your cause, doubt in in yourself, in as in far as being able to fight this battle. Uh, again, uh, let me give an example from World War II. The German propaganda, uh, a lot of different forms. But one of the things they would do would be fly over an area where 
the Americans were, uh, were uh, camped and dropped leaflets. And I have a copy here of one of the leaflets that they dropped. I just want to read a little part of it to you. Now remember, we're talking about doubts, you see. So this leaflet would say, these are questions addressed to the American soldier, five questions for the American soldier. Well, I won't read all of them, but uh, what security have you for your existence if you come back from the war sick or, or wounded or minus a limb or even blinded? You know you're going to come back and you won't have anything. Why fight? You know, why keep on with this? Uh, is your family sufficiently provided for if you are the one of, one of the many who will never see America again? In other words, you're going to get killed. Your family won't have anybody to take care of them. It's planning doubts there, you see, planning doubts. So then at the end of the uh, pamphlet, it says, don't think and wait. Don't think, you see, and wait. Life is short. You have only one chance. Escape from this bloody business. And then it says, this pamphlet will conduct you safely through our lines. Just hand this to one of our soldiers. We'll take care of you. If things will be, go well for you if you switch sides, you see. Planning doubt, planning doubt in the soldier's mind. The idea, of course, is that the enemy has, really has your best interests in mind, you see. That's what they're trying to tell you. We just, we really care about you. We want to take care of you, and you're in this terrible situation. Uh, and this is what Satan does, and this is what he did in the garden right at the beginning. This, this tactic of planning doubt uh, in the minds of Adam and Eve. God's holding out on you. If you listen to me, that is uh, Satan, the serpent, it'll be better for you. Um, that's, this is, I think this is one of, one of his number one strategies to plant doubt, to foster unbelief. Indeed, has God said, So doubt leads to disobedience and defeat and death. I mean, you know what would have happened to those soldiers if they would have taken that, that little pamphlet over to the enemy lines. They'd be in the same place the Jews were in the concentration camp, or worse, they'd get shot right away. So uh, this, is, this is Satan's tactic. This is the way he... Remember what Jesus told Simon, 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 behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. How is he going to do that? Well, he's going to attack his faith. This is what Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And once you have turned again, strengthen the brethren. Satan was going to come and take, attack him, get him to doubt Christ. And Jesus said, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. It failed temporarily but not permanently. Christ had prayed for him. So, doubt. Satan, in one way or another, is always trying to get God's people to doubt God. So those were three areas then. Uh, I know four, four strategies of Satan in this, this uh, war on the saints. But, I don't want to put the emphasis on Satan here tonight. So we want to close by looking at three key attitudes that are necessary to counter Satan's strategies.
and I would say they are alertness, militance, and confidence, or confident faith. Let's just talk about those very briefly. Alertness. Well, the scripture that uh, comes to mind there is 1 Peter 5, 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, how? Firm in the faith. Firm in the faith. Knowing that the same experience of sufferings are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. It's going Anywhere you look, where there's Christians, Satan's attacking. They're, they're, they're having to deal with this. But we need to resist him firm in the faith. We've got to be on the alert. So alertness uh, is one of the key attitudes if we're going to deal with these strategies. You're going to have to stay on the alert. Go to sleep, you'll find yourself in trouble. Uh, you can't, you can't get a rest from this in this life. You have to assume Satan is trying to deceive you and destroy you all the time. Uh, even when we're sitting right here at church, it's going on. Maybe more so here. Have to stay alert, be on guard, be aware of his strategies. And then the next thing I would say is militants. Uh, we don't have the option of not being at war. It's, it's uh, you know, you might say, well, I really don't like fighting. <laughs> well, you're at war. You didn't choose it. You didn't choose to be at war. You chose, chose to follow Christ. But when you choose to follow Christ, automatically you got an enemy that's after you. Uh, the person who's at peace, at peace with God through Christ is at war with Satan. One person put it this way, anyone who witnesses to the grace of God revealed in Christ is undertaking a direct assault against Satan's dominion. We must be fighting the good fight of faith as long as we're in this world. So, uh, again, we just have to take the attitude, I'm at war. This is not... Uh, the time of uh, the church at rest. This is the time of the church militant. So we have to have that attitude. We have to put on, get up in the morning, what do you do? Well, put on your clothes, but more than that, you better put on the full armor of God, Paul says. You have to put that belt of truth on, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. That's all speaking about warfare, folks. So, every day is a day to fight this battle. And then lastly, I would say confidence, or confident faith, maybe is the best way to put it. We do not fight for victory, but from victory. From the victory of Christ. For the Christian, Satan is the soon-to-be-defeated foe. Christ has defeated him, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's what we're told in Romans chapter 16. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, the Christian's feet. Um, 
just a couple verses on this. We're told in 1 John 3.8, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And then we're told in 1 John 4.4, 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. And he goes on and talks about uh, that there's you know deceptive spirits, the spirit of Antichrist out there. But then he says this, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them. All this deceptive spirits, all these lying uh, forms of Antichrist. He says, you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's confident faith. You just take that position. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. So we have to have the, at least those three attitudes, an alertness. A, a recognition of uh, I'm a soldier uh, I have to have a militant attitude and a confident attitude a confident faith in Christ um, we can have confidence because we know what Christ has accomplished for us and we know what the end of the story is That's, how, how do we know that? We, it's in the book. It's in the book. One last example from uh, human warfare. I've, I've used this one a number of times before, but some of you haven't heard it. One of the famous generals of World War II was George Patton. And uh, on, the, on the German side, there was uh, a very famous uh, field marshal named Rommel. He was called the Desert Fox. He was famous because of his military tactics. He outsmarted the enemy often, and so he had quite a reputation. Well, there was a number of tank battles in North Africa where Patton from the United States was battling against Rommel's troops. Uh, And uh, toward the end of the time when this warfare was going on, these tank battles, uh, Patton was winning, and uh, he'd outmaneuvered Rommel. And the story goes that at one point when it was obvious that, that Patton was going to defeat Rommel's forces, uh, he stood up and yelled, I read your book. See, Rommel had written a book on his tactics, <laughs> and, and Patton read it. So, so he knew what Patton was going to do. I mean, he knew what Rommel was going to do, and he was able to outmaneuver him. I read your book. Well, it's not exactly an uh, analogous situation, but we can read the book, you see, and learn the tactics of the enemy. And we can outmaneuver him by the grace of God, not, not in our own wisdom. If we didn't have the book, we're definitely done for. But I read the book. Patton says. So uh, we need to read the book. Um, so just uh, just some thoughts on Satan's strategies and our attitudes to counter those. Well, why don't we close in prayer? Uh, Steve Christopher, would you? pray.